Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Paul Krugman has a, a fascinating piece in the New York Times titled, Will Putin Kill the Global Economy? And basically what he's talking about is that what we are watching right now is the unwinding of 40 years of neoliberal free trade policy. And the reason why it's going to unwind even more rapidly than it has so far is not just because Russia is being pushed out of the free trade sphere, because we don't buy much stuff from Russia anyway, outside of a little bit of petroleum, but because business people around the world are suddenly realizing that this thing that was sold to us back, you know, by George Herbert Walker Bush with NAFTA and GATT and the WTO and all this stuff, and the Democrats bought into as well back in the 90s, that this stuff that was sold to us isn't all that safe and reliable when it's being run by authoritarian countries. Now, obviously, case in point, Russia, one of the things that Paul Krugman points out in his article is that there's this crisis in Ukraine where the country is literally being torn apart and shelled to death and people are being murdered by Russians. That is causing a flight of capital out of China. Now, why would that be? Well, because American companies are going, okay, this is how it happens in authoritarian countries. You can't predict what's going to happen. People do crazy stuff. You know, we had our own four-year experience with this. Uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump pulling us out of the uh, JCPOA, the Iran deal, for example, and trying to pull us out of NATO. So, you know, hopefully we won't go authoritarian again. I can't guarantee that. I, I'm, I'm frankly very concerned about that. We have an election coming up you know, this November and another one in, in two years that's probably going to decide the fate and future of American democracy once and for all. But in the meantime, what Krugman is pointing out is that we, the world has seen this cycle before. It was in 1914. Basically, World War I put an end to what had been a huge expansion of global free trade. And it didn't recover again until the 1990s. Every country became independent and self-sufficient, which frankly, from my point of view, is a good thing. But from the point of view of the people who think that, you know, free trade is going to prevent wars and all that kind of stuff, quack, 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 which, again, I would tell you, I, I think, you know, Putin is, is proving a lie. Nonetheless, they, they think it's a bad thing. So you know, pick your sides.
The rant I wrote today for the Harbin Report, you know, yesterday afternoon, I, Louise and I always have a conversation when I get home from doing this program about, you know, well, Tom, what are you going to write today? And I, I, this has been like boiling around in my brain for a couple of weeks now, really uh, mostly the last week, is that I keep seeing these stories on television, on cable TV news where somebody in Ukraine is talking to an American reporter and they, say, and they tell the story of calling their, their relatives, their parents, their brother-in-law, their, their friend in Russia and saying, you guys, you know, Putin and his army are bombing the crap out of us. And the person in Russia on the other end of the phone goes, oh no, I watch the news, I know that's not happening. Everything's good, we're, 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 it's a humanitarian effort. We're trying to protect the Russian-speaking people in the Donbass. That's all we're doing. And then the the uh, the commentator, the the news reporter, the the you know on on American television, basically has a look on their face like, "How can these Russians be so stupid?" And I want to push back on this. The Russian people are not stupid any more than the American people are stupid. There's a new poll that just came out from the independent poller Levada. I, I put a tweet about it in, in my op-ed today. You can see it at HartmanReport.com. Uh, Putin, Putin's popularity in January, Russia-wide, was 69%. This week, 83%. It's going up. Again, people say, well, you know, Russians must be stupid. They must be idiots. How could they, how could they, how could they be more in favor of Putin? Well, let me ask you a question. Why is it that George W. Bush got reelected after he lied us into a war in Iraq? It took Americans years, at least three or four years for the majority of Americans to realize deep down inside that George W. Bush had lied us into that war and we're still in Iraq. I remember the Vietnam era. Now I realize, you know, many of you listening to me right now are not old enough to remember this, but I, you know, I was a teenager during that time, and I remember it really, really well. And I remember when Daniel Ellsberg came out with the Pentagon Papers and said the whole thing was a lie. And here's the proof. McNamara, the defense secretary, lied to, first he lied to Lyndon Johnson for two weeks. McNamara wanted a war. And he, and he told Lyndon Johnson that uh, the USS, whatever it was, had been attacked at the Gulf of Tonkin, and he knew it wasn't true. But he had these intelligence cables that were like, oh, you know, we're concerned that this might, you know, so he, he gives this to Lyndon Johnson. So Johnson goes out and tells the country, you know, we're under attack in, in the Gulf of Tonkin in, in North Vietnam, or in Vietnam. And we've got to go to war against North Vietnam. And, and, you know, Johnson, for the first two weeks of the war, believed that McNamara was telling them the truth. It wasn't until the third week that Johnson discovered that he'd been lied to. But at that point, what's he going to do? So, so I, and I, and I remember my parents, friends of mine, you know, not very many of them, but, you know, the, the circles I ran in. But, but, you know, I remember watching the news at night. How can Americans be so stupid as to, as to believe that, A, we've got to go to war with another country because somebody, you know, hit one of our ships with a missile, and we not, we're not even sure who it was who hit them. Well, it turned out the ship didn't even get hit. And, B, you know, that, that there's this, this wild domino theory that came out of Dr. Strangelove or something. I mean, you know, really? 
And there were a lot of us who were looking at that, just like in 2003. I mean, you know, Paul Loeb and I and, and, and Mark Crispin Miller were doing tours. I was traveling all around the country in 2003, yeah, giving speeches mostly in churches and civic centers and things about how Bush was going to try to lie us into a war in Iraq. And yeah, a lot of people figured it out before it even happened. And you had Scott Ritter, the American weapons inspector. You know, he was with the UN, but he was an American. And you had Hans Blix, who was the Swiss, you know, the head of the UN weapons inspection department, whatever it's called, going on national television saying, there's no weapons here. We have searched this country from one end to the other for a whole year. There's nothing here. And still, Bush and Cheney lied us into that war. And still, it got him reelected. It made him more popular. So, you know, let's stop with the, oh, the Russian people must be stupid rhetoric. And let's shift instead to asking the question, how do we prevent wars when we or Russia or any other country, I mean, this is a lesson I think we can apply to any country in the world, but let's put it in the context of America. In my lifetime, we've had two, arguably three. I mean, I'd throw Afghanistan in here because Mullah Omar, the head of the Taliban, offered to arrest bin Laden and turn him over to a third country. And, and Trump's, uh, excuse me, Bush, George W. Bush said, oh, no, I want to have a war with you guys. You're the second poorest country in the world, uh, you know, just, a, just, just ahead of Burkina Faso. And, and I'm, you know, we want to have a war. I've got to prove my wartime credentials, so I'm going to start bombing bombing Afghanistan. We're going to bomb you back to the Stone Age. Doesn't matter that you're already in the Stone Age. Average income in Afghanistan was $700 a year. The gross national product, the GDP of, of Afghanistan, when George Bush attacked them, was $2 billion. This war has cost us 4 or $5 trillion. We could have taken $2 billion over to Afghanistan and given it to them and doubled the income of the whole country and said, hey, in exchange for this, give us, give us bin Laden and his, and his little merry band there. They would have jumped at it. But oh no, George W. Bush wanted a war. So how do we prevent this? Well, this is not an issue that has never come up before in American history. This is not an issue. In fact, the, the founders and framers of our Constitution were very aware of the possibility of this happening because they had seen throughout European history prior to 1787, they had seen all kinds of wars being started because kings were being, you know, were unpopular domestically and they thought, hey, a little war will make me more popular. They had seen it over and over. They'd seen it in their lifetimes. They knew European history. They knew, I mean, all over the world you've seen this. And so in 1795, on April 20th of 1795, James Madison sat down, he, the father of the Constitution, sat down to write some thoughts on war. And why, when he was shepherding the Constitution through the Constitutional Convention in the summer in Philadelphia, in the summer of 1787, why they explicitly, in Article I of the Constitution, gave only to Congress the power to make war. And it requires a vote of both the House and the Senate. Why did they do that? And he wrote, of all the enemies to public liberty, war is the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other enemy to public liberty. 
He goes on to say, and, and you know, he was talking about how when presidents go to war, and it had not happened in the United States at this point, 1795, but you know, when a, when a president goes to war, his power is increased. Madison goes on to say, in war too, the discretionary power of the president, the executive, is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and emoluments is multiplied, and all the means of seducing the minds are added to those of subduing the force of the people. I mean, let's be clear, war is legalized murder. And what usually follows on the back of it, back end of it, and, it, and it, of course, along with legalized murder, there's massive legalized property destruction. And what follows on the end of it is all kinds of awful stuff, including widespread rape. And we're starting to get now reports of a widespread rape in Ukraine going on by, by Russian soldiers. But Madison, I mean, Madison continued. He says the same malignant aspect in republicanism. Now, keep in mind, republicanism is that was the form of government that we created. They didn't call it democracy back then. They called it republicanism or a republic. The same malignant, and there's a reason for that, which is a whole other rant. The same malignant aspect in republicanism may be traced in the inequality of fortunes, and the opportunities of fraud growing out of a state of war and in the degeneracy of manners and of morals engendered by both. Engendered by, in other words, the war creates an opportunity for people to get rich and that, and, and through fraud, and that leads to a degeneracy of manners and morals across the nation. No nation, James Madison concluded, the father of the Constitution, no nation can preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. And then he went on to say, we think we figured this out. We think we've, we've figured out a way to stop war. We will require that the body that is closest to the people, the only body in the federal government that is elected directly by the individuals in the states, and in some cases at, at the county level, the House of Representatives and the Senate must make this decision, period. He said, the reader shall judge on this subject for himself. The Constitution expressly and exclusively vests in the legislature the power of declaring a state of war. The separation of the power of declaring war from that of conducting it is wisely contrived to exclude the danger of it being declared for the sake of it being conducted, which is exactly what Bush did. He goes on to say the separation of the power of raising armies from the power of commanding them is intended to prevent the raising of armies for the sake of commanding them. But now we've had 70 years of this stuff, you know, 50 years anyway, of police action in Vietnam and authorization to use military force in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we need to go back to say, you know, to, to, to the founders' wisdom in this regard. The founders were brilliant in some areas, stupid in others, we all know that. But this, this one, they got right. And we need to go back and say, sorry, no more authorizations to use military force, no more after-the-fact certifications of police actions. Yes, we can help out our friends, you know, in Ukraine. We can ship them weaponry and things like that. But, the, you know, if one American troop is going to go into another country, in, in, and engage in active hostilities. Congress needs to sign off on it. Congress needs to declare war.
Otherwise, we're, you know, who's the next president going to be, right? If you get a Republican president from one of these Trumpies who views, who like George W. Bush and Richard Nixon and Lyndon Johnson, for that matter, views war as a way to, to increase their popularity. I frankly don't think that was the case with LBJ, but may have been. It certainly was the case with Nixon. He ran to, he got reelected in 72 saying he was going to win with honor. Remember that? This is how we stop it. This is the Tom Hartman program. Go back to constitutional fundamentals. What do you think? Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. A couple of quick stories here for you, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. In Chernobyl, a crisis happening. Well, actually, it's not happening in Chernobyl anymore. It's moved to Belarus, because in Belarus, there is a hospital. It's, it's uh, one of the few hospitals in the region that specializes in treating people with radiation poisoning. Remember three, four weeks ago at the very beginning of the war in, in Putin's invasion of Ukraine when they took Chernobyl? And everybody was like, I mean, people called into the program going, you know, what's 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 this? Is, is he going to, you know, bomb? Is he going to blow up Chernobyl? That doesn't make any sense because Russia's downwind from Chernobyl. Why would he do that? And my response was, if you look on a map, you see that from the place in Belarus where the Russians are invading Ukraine from there to Kiev, Chernobyl's kind of in the middle of that path. You know, I, I think that they were just securing the nearby highways and things. But they actually, the Russian soldiers had been told to dig trenches in the area around Chernobyl. Well, the soil there for years been saturated with radioactive elements. We heard about the dust being kicked up and, and more radiation, Geiger counters kicking up you know, around because the dust was getting into the air. The heaviest elements on earth, in your dirt, the heaviest particles of the dirt 
are what are called transactinides. They're the uranium and plutonium and you know, all these, these elements that are created by fission. And those elements being heavier than the stuff in soil, silica that makes up most soil particles, or even things like iron and stuff that might appear in the soil, because they're heavier, over time, as it rains and rains and rains and you know, whatnot, they sink down into the earth. And so, you know, here it's been 30 some odd years, I think, since Chernobyl and 40 years, whatever it's been. That heavy saturation of radiation that happened in May and June and July of 1986 has now worked its way down to two or three feet below the surface. So Putin tells the people to go in and dig trenches, prepare for trench warfare. They dug the trenches and guess what? They got exposed to so much radiation that they're starting to die. Over at the Daily Beast, quote, several hundred Russian soldiers were forced to hastily withdraw from the Chernobyl nuclear plant in Ukraine after suffering acute radiation sickness, ARS, from contaminated soil. The troops reportedly dug trenches in the contaminated red forest. Now, this is called the red forest because after Chernobyl melted down, all these pine trees turned bright red. They died. Or they, they changed their behavior, shall we say. Local reports suggest that seven buses with zapped troops arrived in Gomel, this is in Belarus, the special medical facility, uh, early Thursday. Journalists on the ground have also reported ghost buses of dead soldiers being transported from Belarus to Russia under the cover of darkness. Russia has officially announced that they're withdrawing from Chernobyl as part of a, an effort to scale back the invasion. We're going to be nice people now. No, they're preparing to, to bomb the crap out of Keith. Mark in Manhattan. Hey, Mark, what's up? Uh, hi, Tom. Good afternoon. Um, I'm wondering what your take is on why there's so little skepticism about what we're being told Putin is thinking and why everybody is simply saluting the intelligence community for managing this flow of information as if it's some strategic breakthrough. There, there are never any hard questions about this from the press or anybody else, it seems. Well, I think that the, uh, our intelligence community got a, you know, a lot of props and a lot of bonus points or whatever, um, you know, brownie points for accurately predicting absolutely everything Putin was going to do, even over the loud protests of President Zelensky, who kept saying, no, you're scaring my people. Calm down. Stop it. And, and Biden kept coming out and saying, no, our intelligence says that Putin's going to invade. He's going to invade the whole damn country. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, no, he's just going to go take the Donbass. And, you know, no, he's going to take the whole country. So I think that they got a lot of, you know, benefit there. And, and that has continued. These reports that I'm seeing in the press, this is not President Biden coming out and saying, you know, Putin is getting bad intelligence or people are afraid to tell him the truth. And it's not intelligence officials coming out and saying it. It's people in the media. And I think they're wrong. Maybe there are some reports to this effect, but I just can't believe that a guy like Vladimir Putin, who is you know, the, one of the richest men in the world, has access to one of the largest and, and most powerful intelligence services in the world, which he worked in for 40 years, doesn't know ab absolutely everything that's going on, right down to the most granular level. Tom, the government spin here is that things are going well, the war is going great, Ukraine is holding on, we're doing everything we can to help. So describing Putin as lost and out of touch is convincing in that regard, right? right? It, feeds, it feeds into that narrative. And by the way, that's the narrative. I think this is a narrative that the media likes. And I think that the media likes this narrative because they want to move on to other things. 
and, and uh, uh, the whole Ukraine crisis is sucking up their, their, their time slots. And what they're finding is they're, you know, keep in mind, our media is profit driven. And so what they're finding is that people are getting tired. They're getting exhausted seeing, you know, people in Ukraine dying and watching people cry on television and seeing, you know, dead grandmas and stuff like this. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a point where people reach fatigue. And so the media narrative now is shifting to everything's under control. Don't worry. Uh, we've got other things to talk about. Let's talk about Will Smith. I mean, that's what the media is doing right now. And, it's, and they're doing it because, it's, it because while during the first week or two or three, the, it, it, Ukraine was novel and it was drawing eyeballs. It's not novel anymore. And the media wants novelty. The media want, you know, the old, if it bleeds, it leaves. They want the new hot thing. And they're looking for the new hot thing. They thought they had it with the Academy Awards. You know, God only knows what it's going to be tomorrow. Um, but uh, they're, they're trying as hard as they can to move on from talking about Ukraine and what, in my opinion, and this, this narrative that Putin is, is losing and confused and all that kind of stuff, I think that that's just something that helps them with that narrative. Mark, I've got to move along, but thank you for the call. Rich in New York City. Hey, Rich, what's up? I agree with what you were saying about the uh, Congress needs to declare war, but I think it really needs to be one step further, which is congressmen and senators' children must be drafted. If we're going to send children to war, to another country to die on a lie, let's send their kids, too. I'm with you, Rich. Let's just not have the poor and the underprivileged go, because once they fix that in the 80s, now we can have endless war and no wealthy people's children pay the price. I agree. We, we need to bring back the draft, in my opinion. And we need That's to it. do it in a way that actually benefits the American people. Um, you know, one year of, of service, whether in the military or in the nonprofit sector, you volunteer to work in hospitals or whatever, um, one year of service uh, to, to your country that ideally takes you away from your hometown after you graduate from high school. And, and then in exchange for that, you get, you know, four years of college or trade school or some other benefit, help with buying a house. I mean, let's just bring back kind of the GI Bill sort of thing. Um, and, exactly. and I think that it's, a, you know, psychologically, one of the things that is well known, I mean, well established, is that rites of passage are almost necessary for human beings to, to mature properly and appropriately. And that's why we have these rites of passages, the, the, the high school graduation ceremony. We find them in our religions, confirmation and Catholicism, bar and bat mitzvahs and Judaism. Um, there's a, a parallel in, in Islam. I forget the, the name for it. Every religion, every yep. culture has these rites of passage. We can have a secular rite of passage, and, and we, we did for a while. And, and, you know, and, and if you do it right, I think, I think, I think it could work. So, uh, Rich, you know, spot on. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Charlie, Charlie Rangel, who, uh, and Rich, thanks for the call. Charlie Rangel, who fought in World War II, used to come on this. He's passed away now, the, the congressman from Harlem. He used to be on our show all the time back, you know, a decade, 15 years ago. Um, uh, he, was a, he was a regular. And, and his main thing was we need national service in the United States. And part of that national service is informing people about the importance of government and how it works. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. I realize, you know, Charlie had uh, some uh, checkered history, but he, I think he was a brilliant guy. Just a couple of things here. Number one, I uh, apparently, 
I don't know why I thought Charlie Rangel was dead, but I thought he was. He's 91 years old. In fact, somebody called in. Joyce came out and told me. Somebody called and said, I live in his apartment building. I just saw him yesterday. <laughs> so, thank God Charlie Rangel's still alive. I love Charlie Rangel. I'm so glad to hear that, correcting myself. And thanks to the folks on Twitter also who were like, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your announcement is premature. <laughs> just very quick stories that I wanted to tell you about. A new poll has shown, uh, this is the Marquette poll, just found that two-thirds of Americans now support Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson uh, being on the U.S. Supreme Court. That's like really good news. And it, I think it speaks to the diminishing power of right-wing media. I think, I, I, I think a lot of Americans are just like, okay, we got it. We figured out what's going on. We're not, you know, we're not going to buy this stuff anymore. Also, France and Germany have said to Putin, we are not going to pay for our oil in rubles. And finally, Donald Trump says, he never really wanted to have sex with Stormy Daniels. <laughs> right. Uh, how'd you like to buy a bridge? Angelo in Cottage Grove, Oregon. Hey, Angelo, what's on your mind today? My wife brought up something today about Yemen. The United States and the United Kingdom are involved in a big struggle in Yemen. Thousands of people have been killed. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Well, what happened was a, uh, a, a group of rebels uh, the Houthi, uh, who are affiliated with an ethnic group, the Houthis, have uh, rose up against the government, essentially, and, and in the process rose up against Saudi Arabia, which is you know, kind of the overlord in the area. And, and so the Saudis just started bombing the crap out of, out of these Houthi-controlled areas. And uh, now you've got, uh, with U.S. weapons, U.S. made weapons yeah. that were sold to them by Donald Trump. And, and now, uh, you know, in fact, that was one of his first things, you know, when he became president, the first country he visited was Saudi Arabia. And now you've got a major humanitarian disaster there, millions of people on the edge of starvation. The Saudis have been blockading uh, international relief efforts and, and food, trying to get it into Yemen. And, uh, you know, it, it's... It's sort of like Ukraine, uh, except that we don't talk about it as much because um, A, Saudi Arabia is theoretically an ally of ours and we need their oil, and B, right. they're killing black people. Interesting. It's a tragedy. It deserves more recognition. There's virtually no reporting going on from there. I'm, my guess is that that's because there are no news agencies there because it's such an insanely dangerous place. I am not an expert on the, on the subject, but you can easily you can easily look it up online. Angelo, thanks a lot for the call. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, thanks for watching us on Free Speech. What's up? Hi, Tom. I 100% agree with you. Putin is just going to level Kiev. Yeah. And I also believe Putin watches Fox. He knows what's going on. Well, Fox had a general on the other day who said that uh, Biden is, uh, I saw this over, I think, crooksandliars.com that Biden actually wants uh, Ukraine to fall and that he's just trying to slow walk them into a, into a surrender to Russia because oh, Biden how is, awful you know, whatever. Yeah. How awful. But um, the, uh, it's amazing how the Ukrainians picked up the Russian communications and the soldiers, they were saying um, when they were being bombed, there's, they knew, they said it's, they said, this is bull bunk here. I'm not going to swear. Mm. Our plane just dropped a bomb on us that came over communications. And they said um, that 
um, now they're encircling us and they're shooting from all sides. So they could hear what was going on. Right. They were telling um, the different, and and they said, "This is frick." I'm gonna say frickin'. This is frickin' hell. So they they don't like this. And here's the crazy part: some of them are so bold. The seventh general was run over by his own troop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, it's called fragging. They're they're fighting back. Uh, some of some of the Russian soldiers are saying, "No thanks. You know, we don't want to be cannon fodder." They're seeing what's happening to their colleagues. And 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 Putin. I mean, I, I just caught this headline, so I don't have any details. But the headline I caught this morning on my way into work was that uh, Putin has just uh, ordered another 135,000 Russians to be drafted into his military. I wonder how that's going to play out. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, Bill in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? I was just wanted to know what your take is on all the earlier security assurances we, the West, made with Russia in the early 90s against NATO expansion. And I ask you this because it seems to me we reneged on these assurances because of NATO's expansion into most of the Eastern European countries since then. Right. What happened in, 19, in the early 1990s, uh, this was when George Herbert Walker Bush was president and the Soviet Union was dissolving. I mean, that, that process pretty much completed itself in 91, as I recall. And uh, what happened was that George H.W. Bush, in a public meeting, assured the Russians that America would not be pushing to expand NATO beyond its current footprint. It was never written down. It was never part of any written agreement. It was never signed by anybody. And when Bill Clinton became president, we got about the business of invite, and, and a whole bunch of these countries that were former uh, Soviet bloc countries wanted to join not just the European Union, but they also wanted to join NATO for the very reason that you can see right now with Ukraine. And so Clinton was like, hey, come on in. You know, we have no written agreement. And to this day, there's no written agreement. So the, what the Russians have been saying 
uh, basically ever since, is you reneged on the deal. Well, there was never a deal. It was a, it was a comment, it was an offhand comment that George Herbert Walker Bush made that was not backed up by the State Department, was not backed up by any kind of uh, you know, negotiation or documentation, and uh, frankly doesn't exist. So that, and, 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 if you're, and if you're hearing people yelling and screaming about it, Bill, uh, on social media, in all probability, they're, they're Russian bots. Well, I just wanted to say that, um, that you know, not, not just the U.S., but uh, Britain and France also made comments, or maybe it wasn't a written agreement. It was never I, It's just There might have been a bunch of people bad. nodding at it the time wasn't. in 91, and, you know, yeah, I, I'm, right. I'm with you that you, you, you shouldn't even make, you know, assurances that you don't intend to keep. Right. I agree. But if the Russians were seriously concerned about the expansion of NATO, they could have pushed that issue in 91 and, yeah. and 92 and 93. Yeah. And they chose not to. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dead issue. Putin is no longer even claiming that that's the reason he's trying to take Ukraine. I mean, he gave this long, rambling, hour-long speech three weeks ago in which he said Ukraine isn't even a country. It's part of Russia. We're simply reclaiming our own territory, and we're protecting Russian-speaking people in our own old territory. And, uh, you know, he didn't even invoke NATO. He didn't mention NATO. So the Russians aren't even bothering with that line of argument anymore. Bruce in Alexandria, Minnesota. Hey, Bruce, what's on your mind today? The Z symbol that are being used on all the Russian military symbols, and it's kind of become this the Z thing. Could this be as simple as the Russians are Zs and everybody else is Nazi? (laughs) I get it. I get it. I don't. I don't know if they're. You know, if they're going because the letter Z does not exist in the Cyrillic alphabet. So I I know. So the word Nazi in, in, in Russian would not have a Z in it. Right. So, so this is actually, I'm, I'm thinking for, you know, the, the world. I think Putin was looking anyway. for a logo. I think he wanted to brand this invasion. And, and somebody yep. came up with the idea of the Z, whether it was because, you know, it's Zelensky's, the first letter of Zelensky's name. Or oh, sure, whether, sure. Whether it was just, you know, uh, you know, it looks kind of cool. I remember, remember Zorro, you know, when you were a little kid. That's and, right. And, that's uh, right. yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure anybody knows where it came from, but, but that's what it is. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm going to stick my, with my Z and Nazi thing. So. There you go. Anyway, second point. Mm-hmm. Second point. Um, uh, I, I've seen numerous articles saying the Russian people have, have, have moved to being, uh, being behind the, uh, uh, the special military operations in Ukraine and, right. and, and fully support. I am skeptical Ukraine. of that uh, for two reasons. I, I, I am, I'm, too. I'm guessing you are, too. Yeah. I am too. Can you imagine being, you know, the, the average Russian, you know, if a poll is going on, the average Russian sitting at home in your DACA or whatever, you, wherever you are, phone rings and this person goes, Comrade, we'd like to find out what you think of the special military operations in Ukraine. Do you fully support Putin? You know, especially yeah. with all the, the exactly. laws they've just passed. Yeah, Who's going to say no? Yeah, he, he went from 68% popularity to 87% popularity or 89% popularity in, yeah. in, in about four weeks. And I do not for a minute believe it's a rally around the flag effect like we saw here with George W. Bush after the invasion of Iraq. Uh, I, you know, I think right. that that probably is part of it. It probably accounts for a third of that increase. But I think the majority of it is exactly what you're identifying, Bruce, which is, you know, who, you know, because after 22 years as head of the state, Putin is the state in Russia. And so, you know, asking somebody to support Putin is like saying, are you a loyal and patriotic Russian? And particularly after he's put some 20,000 people in prison 
for just using the word war or protesting is war. I don't think anybody is going to say anything other than that. Doug in Martinez, California. Hey, Doug, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thank you for having me on your show first. Um, I've got an idea I'd like to throw at you mm -hmm. and uh, a challenge. I'd like you to tell me why it won't work. Right now, Biden is basically fighting an economic war against Putin and uh, at the level I don't think we've ever seen in history. Yeah. And it is, of course, a multi-headed attack. But I feel we're missing out on a really big head and it won't cost a penny. And Biden can do it with a simple executive order tomorrow. It falls under Department of Interior. And that is that they allow the states to build and operate free of any federal charges on federal land in their state, state-owned and operated solar farms. Right now, solar cost-wise is getting down there with the other energy sources. If you factor things in like the looming disasters of the coal ash ponds, it's actually cheaper. It's, it's even cheaper, cheaper when you don't when you don't factor in externalities like that. It's yeah. uh, I mean you know the price the price uh, so, of solar so and wind have just collapsed. Be, these things will be incredibly profitable on the state level. Right. Um, now there'll be three recommendations, and that's all they are. The states can do it any way they want. That they fund their first one with. Um, state tax, double tax-free state municipal bonds, not to be paid back by the taxpayers of the state, but by revenue from the highly profitable solar farms. Right. Uh, they could write it like a zero-coupon bond, so it pays at the end. Uh, first one comes online, square acre, square mile, square 100 miles. Um, most of the revenue will go towards paying back the bond and maintaining it. What's left over goes towards building the next one. Because it has money in from the first, it'll need less bonds floated. Third, mm -hmm. even less. Fourth, even less. Whole thing becomes self-financing um, and snowballs. Right. Anybody who's driven cross-country, you know, just what you can see from the freeway, and that's a small percent. Miles and miles and miles of unused land. Most of it federally owned. Most of it so dry it can't even be grazed on. Bigger, bigger, bigger. It would literally shade the land. Bring down warming locally and lock in moisture. Uh, an incredible amount of jobs. Eventually, it gets so huge, the states can continue the expansion and start siphoning off money to bring down state taxes and fund vital services, which will be an economic stimulator. Um, Doug, why why does it, why do we need federal land given to the states to do this when most of the states are sitting on huge piles of state land? That's a good question. Why aren't they doing it? I agree with you on that. Hey, on TV right now, Biden just got his second booster shot. <laughs> it's, no, good. I'm I, looking for mine. I, I tried to get one okay, yesterday, anyway, and they were like, it hasn't it would, been approved by Oregon uh, yet. Anyhow, back to you, Doug. I'm sorry. Okay. It, 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 would, it, would, it would create an incredible amount of jobs, mm -hmm. um, which will be an economic stimulator, and not down in a coal pit getting black lung disease, Right. Uh, despite the second recommendation, and that is that they use convict labor um, to bring down the cost get these people in jail up and working every day, um, learning a profession they'll have when they pay their debt to society to help out, well, empty out our overcrowded jails. Uh, Doug, you ought, to, you ought to write this thing up as a white paper, you know, or as an op-ed and, and publish yeah. it someplace. I, I think you might be onto something. I, <laughs> I, I, I'd have to think it through. I'm not a, you know, an energy expert in, at, at that level, well, you know, at the level of public do, policy. It, it, would flood, it, it would flood the market with cheap electricity which would be a good thing. And the thing. price of oil would plummet, sticking yeah. it to Putin. There you go. Doug, thanks anyway. a lot for the call. It's a good idea. Tom in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today? 
about Ukraine, uh, the mm-hmm. truce, so-called truce talks that are going on don't even take into account the uh, massive bill that Russia will face for all the destruction it's done. But the main thing I want to bring up is the uh, war crimes uh, trials that will be upcoming. When the rubble is cleared away from these big cities like Mariupol, they're going to find thousands of people uh, who have died of starvation. Oh, tens of thousands, Tens of thousands, and mothers holding dead children. And there will be photographs of that and video taken around of that. And I think that's the main reason why Russian soldiers are confiscating phones from uh, people who are trying to leave. Also, I think that there will be teams, Russian teams, who are ready to come in to remove the dead bodies, remove the evidence for that reason. Yeah, they don't want us to see the photos that the world saw after World War II when the camps were liberated. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which I think you're right, Tom. In war crime, in, which will be used in a war crimes tribunal. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Tom, thank you for the call. Mark in Lexington, North Carolina. Hey, Mark, what's up? You know, <laughs> Donald Trump asking Putin to release information that doesn't exist. You're talking about Trump calling for Putin to uh, release information about Hunter Biden? How low can this man go? I don't think there's any bottom to where Trump will go. We've got tens of thousands of people dead in Ukraine, millions displaced, and this man has only one criteria, and that is to make it about himself. Yeah. I I almost feel like just giving up on the damn country because I can't talk to anybody anymore. I reverted to the old saying... I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. So Mm -hmm. I spend most of my time scraping stickers off of fuel pumps. Uh, I don't know if it's around where you are, but up here where I am in Republicanville, every fuel pump's got a gas sticker on it with a picture of Joe Biden pointing to the price of gas saying, I did that. So (laughs) I ride around with a razor blade and scrape those off as much as I can. Yeah, they'll they'll just put them right back on. One other thing I wanted to say is, Thank you so much, because watching you really cost me a lot of sleep, but it also caused me a lot of knowledge. Uh, One thing I could never understand was Norm Chomsky, and why is this linguist so important? Why is he so important? Once I I did a deep dive into him, I understood. You know, smart people or political people dumbing down language. Yeah to the masses yep. and the way they manipulate language. Chomsky called it manufacturing uh, consent. Manufacturing consent, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I had watched that two or three times. I watched everything I could on him. And thank you for having Burt Wolf, uh, Professor Wolf, on your show today, yep. because I follow him greatly too. And thank you so much for your program. And I will always support free speech. Thank okay. you so much. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Thanks for your kind words. Uh, Michael in Barrington Hills, Illinois. Hey, Michael, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up? Hi, Tom. Thanks very much. Uh, I have a suggestion, first a suggestion about the nuclear questions that have been raised by Putin and our fears of him and his uh, his generals. And uh, every time he brings it up again, if it comes up again, Biden's administration should simply say, and since we have 5,500 weapons and they have 5,500, we're going to, Biden should say, we're going to reduce our weapons right away, right now. We're going to drop them three, you know, decommission or take them apart or whatever. And we're going to counter your threat with reducing the nuclear weapons. I just wanted to get your idea 
about this and maybe tie this to uh, Professor Wolf's international plug wash type meeting that he suggested. I think when a bully yeah. walks up and threatens you to punch in, in uh, threatens to punch you in the face, that's not when you put your face forward and say, "Okay, take a shot." Well, I, we still have a lot of weapons. You know what I mean? And I I'm do. thinking it's just a political kind of thing we could do. I, I think uh, when a bully comes up and says, "I'm going to punch you in the face," you, you kick him in the nuts. I mean, that's it's. <laughs> we, we don't want to use nuclear weapons. So. No, I don't. I'm not saying use nuclear weapons. I'm saying you know wound that bully with a different strategy. Okay. All right. But, well, I'm know, just sorry for the crude metaphor, but. Yeah, and the uh, quickly, very quickly, you, I'm gonna. I'm, I was raised in Vermont, and I was interested and amused by your comments about the mice in Montpelier. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, I grew up in a little high school there, and we used to kind of be afraid to go to Montpelier because of the mice. I just want to let you know that. Seriously? No, not really. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Little tiny. Montpelier was just a little tiny bird, even though it's yeah. a large, small capital. In the world. Well, it's, but it's really a nice, little dynamic city. Uh, oh now. yeah, and it's only it's only like fifteen, twenty thousand people. I mean, it's a small town, and and uh, you know, a lot of good coffee shops. There's a lot of activity. Oh, there. some great restaurants, some wonderful people. I, you know, it's one of my favorite places to have lived in my whole entire life. It's just that it's really, really cold. I got kind of a dark spot on my face here from getting frostbite on one New Year's Eve in Montpelier, Vermont. Uh, it, it's, warming there. it's warming all over there, though, you know. Yeah, it, uh, that, that's true. Michael, I got to run, but thank you for the call. It's, it's, uh, it's great to hear from me. I appreciate it. This is uh, Hunter actually wrote this over on DailyCoes.com. It's titled House Republican Resolution Would Erase House Impeachment of Trump for Ukraine Extortion. He's pointing out that back in 2016, it was really, you know, Russia who attacked our elections, not, not Ukraine. But Donald Trump was impeached for telling Vladimir Zelensky, or Volodymyr Zelensky, you know, who was saying, I would like some, some uh, I, think, I think they were Stinger missiles. He said, I, you know, I would like some of these anti-tank missiles. And Trump said, well, you know, there's $400 million worth of it, but I put it on hold a couple of weeks ago because... I, I want to ask you a favor. I want you to find some dirt on. You don't even actually have to find the dirt. You just have to announce publicly that you're opening an investigation into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Just like, you know, uh, Comey announced uh, two weeks before the election in 2016 that he was opening an investigation into Hillary Clinton. Just do that. That's all you have to do, Mr. Zelensky, President Zelensky. So that was Trump's shtick, and he got impeached for it in the U.S. House of Representatives. He wasn't removed from office. He wasn't convicted in the Senate, but he was impeached. And so now comes, you know, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, this uh, uh, fellow in the House of Representatives. Uh, he's from Oklahoma, not a man known for his great intellect. He has introduced a new House resolution that would, quote, expunge Donald Trump's first impeachment. He's doing this because he says Democrats were, quote, manipulating a perfect phone call with a vulnerable nation for political gain. Right. And, you know, most people looking at this proposal by a Republican in the House of Representatives to pass a law in the House of Representatives saying, remember that impeachment of Donald Trump, we take it back. Most people look at that and go, oh, this guy is nuts. 
or, you know, it'll never pass, or he's crazy, or, you know, why even tell me this? Well, I'm here to say I think that Mike Wayne Mullins, or Mark Wayne Mullins, it's all one word, M-A-R-K-W-A-Y-N-E, one word. Mark Wayne Mullen, I think his proposal should actually get a hearing in the U.S. House of Representatives. I think Nancy Pelosi should assign it to a committee, and there should be hearings on it. Why? Because I think most Americans have forgotten what Donald Trump did. He committed extortion, or he tried to. He threatened a sovereign nation with the loss of the ability to defend themselves, an ability, by the way, that had been guaranteed to them by previous presidents, previous administrations, and said, I will only give you these weapons if you will produce dirt on Hillary Clinton. And, or excuse me, on Joe Biden and his son Hunter. So I think it's a brilliant idea, Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma. I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. Let's hold the hearings. Whether the timing of his delay of, of Trump, I mean, Trump actually withheld these weapons. Is, is that one of the reasons so many people have died in Ukraine? Inquiring minds want to know. Congress should be looking into this. Was Putin's decision to invade Ukraine in part informed by Trump withholding weaponry? Keep in mind, Trump was president just a year and a half ago. Was that you know withholding of weaponry from Ukraine something that made Putin think, oh yeah, I could do this, or I should do this, or it'll be a hell of a lot easier to do this? Congress should be investigating this. And hey, if the, if the best way to make that happen and with Republican support is to take Mark Wayne Mullins, Congressman Mullins' suggestion that Congress should open a discussion about whether or not to expunge Trump's impeachment, goodbye me. If he wants to pass a law that only Republicans can, can you know, blackmail foreign governments for political purposes, take a shot at it. America needs this conversation. Let us not forget, the majority of Republican lawmakers voted to overturn the last election. The majority of Republican lawmakers, virtually all of them, all but a a very tiny handful, voted to impeach Donald Trump, or voted not to impeach Donald Trump twice for clear crimes that he had committed against the United States of America. And it's like, you know, we have such short memories in this country. Maybe we need a reminder. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. James in uh, Clear Lake Oaks, California. Hey, James, what's up? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to say that it was in the news at the time that Senator John McCain and Victoria Newland from the State Department were at the Maiden Square 
uprising in Yugoslavia. Yeah, we were we were relatively it was in in Ukraine, and we were relatively open in our support of that. Uh, Victoria Newland was you know regularly trashed uh, by the Russians around that. And uh, and I would say, you know, people say, oh, the CIA was behind it. If the CIA was behind it, you wouldn't know this. Right. And but uh, my point is that if those two were there, then I would not be at all surprised if the CIA was there. Well, it could be. And it, and it could be that we, we offer support. You know, if you have a country that has been corrupted, you know, where, where I mean, literally, Paul Manafort was the guy that was hired by Viktor Yanukovych or, or hired by Putin. I mean, who knows? Um, to right. to flip Ukraine from being a, a a progressive liberal democracy into being an autocratic uh, strongman government that was aligned with Russia, and the people right. revolted. If we played a role in that, whether it was overt or covert, I'm I'm pretty ambivalent about I it. <laughs> George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Brief observation before I get to my point. I don't know how the Proud Boys would react to an invasion from Mexico, but if it was the Russians invading us, they'd be the fifth column. They'd be on their side. Okay, well, that, yeah. that complicates my equation here. That's not what's happening with the Azov Battalion, but yeah, I get it. Earlier in the week, MSNBC had a report about how many cruise missiles the Russians had launched so far against Ukraine. And it was at that point earlier in the week, a little in excess of 1,100 cruise missiles. The cost, according to the report of each one of these missiles, is a little over a million dollars. So in cruise missiles alone, so far this war has cost the Russian people over a billion dollars, and that's only one weapon system. Right. Uh, it's probably an equal amount in terms of lost aircraft and helicopters. Uh, tanks and armored vehicles and trucks aren't cheap either. Yeah. And they're so financially strapped that they're feeding their soldiers with rations that are as old as a 2002 expiration date. Yep. Uh, the point I'm making is, is that uh, as horrific as this war has been for the Ukrainian people, uh, with every passing day, the Russian people are, are shouldering a bigger and bigger burden in terms of financial expense and the loss of their valued sons, which may be 14 or 15,000 by now. And yet Putin will be happy to keep crushing his own people with this burden, which means that this isn't going to be over anytime soon. No, it's and, not. Putin, Putin envisions himself as the reincarnation of Peter the Great or something like that. And he knows that the great names that we remember from history were the mass murderers. I mean, it's really that simple. The, 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 and, and, and he wants to be one of those great names. And, and I, I think he's, he's driven by this. He's trying to create this greater Russia. He wants his name to go down in history. And, and, and if he has to destroy 40 million people in Ukraine, he's willing to do it. He doesn't care how many people he kills. 
Look at what he did to Grozny. Look at what he did to Aleppo. Look at what he what he did, what he did to Mar Mariupol. He's he's continuing, and I, I think his, I think he's going to double down. I think it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better. George, thank you for the call. Ronnie in Orange County, California. Hey, Ronnie, what's up? Hey, Tom. Uh, just getting to the point about Aaron's point. I'm an African American here in Orange County, which is known for its um, racist views. Anyway. I would absolutely fight with the Proud Boys, and I would hearken back uh, to make a point. In the Civil War, the Buffalo Soldiers were provided weapons from uh, generals that had been slaveholders. And the Crips and Bloods here in Los Angeles band together what they called the OGs to stop drugs from coming in their neighborhoods when those older gangsters woke up. They banded together. Right. So the enemy of my enemy can be my friend, at least in your mind. Spot on, and like I said, uh, the situation with Aaron, uh, those are his feelings, and maybe he just has to sit that out. But there are many um, um, uh, cultures or groups that uh, get together and uh, have served together. I served NATO for over 12 years in the same locations that um, uh, we're looking at right now being bombed, you know, and I got the itch to want to go over and help. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm too old to do it these days. But, um, um, you said it, and I'm not going to belabor the point. The enemy of my enemy, and uh, bottom line, I think Aaron. You know, everybody has to pick and choose. You know, their fight, and if right. that's not Red Dawn for him, the movie, then he just sits it out. But there's many others that will join and will take that rifle from their neighbor. Yeah, it's an interesting issue, and 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 uh, uh, it's an interesting. Yeah, it caught me by surprise to hear that question. Um, but like I said, the Civil War, they passed out uh, yep. rifles to the Buffalo Soldiers. But you know, it was highly politically charged before they did it. Yeah. Yep. And like I said, the Crips and Bloods, I don't know what kind of meetings they had, but they came together and um, stopped drugs from coming into their neighborhoods, you know, the older uh, gangsters. Yeah, yeah, know. I totally get it. Ronnie, thank you. Thanks, th thanks for weighing in. I appreciate the call. Zeke in Portland. Hey, Zeke, we got less than a minute. You got a quick one? Uh, Tom, Tom, the, the, the reason we're not doing the very minimum that will enable the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians is because of something called nuclear blackmail, which yep. the mainstream media will not even call it by by its name. It's not even allowed on mainstream media. I agree. Okay. Now, uh, I just I gave a phone number to your screener, and she gave me an email address for a producer to send it to as well, which bounced back. It's a, it's a phone number for Wesley K. Clark's personal assistant in Little Rock, Arkansas. He will be on your pro. I talked to her yesterday. Yeah, okay. Zeke, I'm going to put you on hold and you can talk to Joyce. Um, and, and, you know, because this is just not a conversation that we should be having on the air. Um, and that's the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> special thanks to all the great folks who work on this program. Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer, Nance, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick White, Geraldine Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Sprouse, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabbermocky, Jay LeBlanc, Al Gorilla Rhythm, Connor Arroyo, Carne Verde. Thank you so much for, for uh, all the help that you provide us. And thank you to you for listening to our program and supporting our the stations that carry us and the sponsors that, that, that support them or for supporting them directly. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.
Across California, school food professionals are using their skills to develop recipes that incorporate fresher ingredients and more scratch cooking. Learn how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.